Hello, friends. Welcome to a very special major championship edition of Golf Subpar. I am Colt Nost alongside Drew Stoltz, and we're here to break down this week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot and also introduce you to a brand new free-to-play gaming app called Chirp. But, Sleaze, we also have a very special guest joining us in studio afterwards. Miss Sophia Popoff, the Women's British Open champion, will be here live in studio. Yes, dude. The most newly minted major champion in the world of golf, and it's a fun interview with her, man. I know she's getting tons of publicity right now with what's going on the LPGA Tour, but we get into pretty much everything, and she was so open, so honest, and uh, man, I really had a good time talking with her. It's one of my one of the favorite interviews we've done so far. Yeah, I think everyone's going to enjoy it, but let's get to Wingfoot in this week's U.S. Open. I know you're super pumped for this week yes. because... It looks like it's going to be a bloodbath out there. I think the players are going to struggle, and I know you love pain. I want pain. I want carnage. I, hey, it's okay for the best players in the world to not shoot 66 every round. I mean, more or less since the restart, dude, it's been an absolute shootout every week. They've had perfect conditions, soft greens. They've had very little to deal with, with the exception of Jack's tournament, Muirfield. That one played tough. And Olympia Fields, the BMW. That one played tough as well, almost like a little mini U.S. Open. But more often than not, it's been 20 under pars winning. Got to go out there. Got to shoot five under a day. We've seen 59s, 60s, all this kind of stuff. I'm ready for some challenge. I'm ready for these guys to struggle. I want to see some bogeys. I want to see one, two over par be a great score at the end of the day. So, yeah, dude, I it rarely happens. These guys are so, so good at golf nowadays that it's tough. There's not that many venues that can really challenge them. And Wingfoot, from everything I've seen on social media and talk, and you and I have been talking to some of the players that are on, on site there, it looks like it's going to be a monster. Yeah, hopefully the weather's good so the place gets firm, the greens get a little crusty because that's always fun. That makes it challenging for the guys. I definitely don't think we're going to see anybody get to double digits under par. I will I'm, be so pissed yeah, if someone gets will. to double digits under par. I mean, if you look back to 2006 when Jeff Ogilvie won, he won at five over par. Yeah. Uh, the cut was nine over par. Perfect. And I know that's something you're kind of looking for. You, that's what you want. That's beautiful. I mean, this is the major where Phil Mickelson absolutely blew it. Yep. Where he banked it off the, the, grandstand, <laughs> the grandstand. And then, yeah, just and a debacle. Where he said, I'm an absolute idiot afterwards. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's this U.S. Opens are fun. They're different. This is the one week a year where I think everyone tunes in to watch the best players in the world kind of get humanized a little bit and be like, oh, that's how I play at home. Obviously, much different conditions. But they, they're fine with people shooting 77, 78. Yeah. Like, that stuff happens. And it's one of the few weeks a year where driving the ball in the fairway actually means a lot. Yeah, which how many how many of those courses are Never. out there? And it's not – the thing that's great about Wingfoot, it's also 7,400 yards plus. So, while hitting the fairway, you have to. Everything I've seen on social media looks like if you're missing the fairway – it's a chop out. It's mm -hmm. a maybe you could try to squirt something up by the green, but not a lot of greens are going to be hit from the rough this week. And but you can't just lay back and hit an iron. Big, like, all right, I'll just hit it two fifty off because you're gonna have long irons into hard, slopey greens, and there's just no way. I don't think you can play seventy two holes like that. So you gotta hit driver. The best drivers of the golf ball are, are gonna be having an enormous advantage. But I actually went back and watched some of the coverage from the final round of two thousand six just last night because I'd forgotten a lot of the holes. I remember the obviously mm -hmm. how it, how it ended and all that stuff. But man. We talk about U.S. Open being drivers, iron play, all that total ball striking. Jeff Ogilvie, the way he won this golf tournament, he won it down the stretch with an unbelievable short game. And so it is, it is going to be just such a hard tee to green setup that I think whoever wins is still going to have to chip and putt the hell out of it because you're just going to, no matter how good you are off the tee, how good you are with your irons, you will miss greens. You will miss fairways at wing foot, and you're going to have to try to save those pars. And Jeff Ogilvie doesn't get enough credit because everyone talks about how Phil blew this U.S. Open, which he did, and that deserves to get a lot of attention. But what Jeff Ogilvie did down the stretch with the chip in for par on 17. I mean, the rough was so thick then, he had a wide right drive on 17. Couldn't even chip it to the fairway. It took him two chips to get up there by the green, you know? So it, it's it's going to test every single aspect, and I, I think that U.S. Open played perfectly. Five over par, I would love that. 
I would love that. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you don't have to play. I mean, you, around here, you can't fake it. I mm-hmm. mean, you have to play real golf. You're not going to be able to skank it around. We were talking from with Jason Gore from the USGA earlier today. He said the, the average fairway width is 24 yards wide, which is and that's nothing. very narrow. And how about in 2006, the guy who led the field in greens and regulation hit 48 greens. Yeah. So average missing six greens a day. So you got to have a stellar short game. you got to make those 8 to 10-foot crucial par-saving putts. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. You know, a lot of golf courses, they tend to kind of like start you out a little easy, you know, let you work your way into your round. Wingfoot doesn't. Wingfoot punches you in the mouth. Of the first three holes, they were ranked numbers two, three, and four of hardest on the golf course in 2006. Yeah, you got a little first tee jitters. You better sack up and get over. You're going to be about plus five through three because this thing comes at you and it comes at you quick. And I, I was looking at social media and talking with some of the guys. Players were talking about I had balls landing in the fairway, bouncing into a rub. There were no spot. There weren't like tons of spotters out there in practice rounds on Sunday and stuff. But they're like, dude, I couldn't find balls. I couldn't. Find, and my ball would literally land on the right side of the fairway, and we couldn't locate the thing coming up there. So I know they're going to have a lot of spotters out there, and maybe they'll tweak the rough a little bit. But as it looks like right now, I think we are going to get a monstrous, uh, you know, grinded out U.S. Open like we like we hope to. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing the graduated rough again, which I really like. I mean, so I think I. if you miss the fairway by a yard, you shouldn't get as punished as much as for missing it by 15 yards. Agreed. And I think with no fans, which I wish there were fans there because the New York fans are the best. They're crazy. They're loud. There's not going to be any trampled down areas. There's going to be, it's going to be thick, lush, rough all the way to outside the ropes. So you, you better hit the ball straight or you're going to be in for a very long week at Wingfoot. Yeah. Phil's 72nd hole where he boinked it off the grandstands or whatever that was, the media tent over there and it, ba- it ricocheted back. He tried to hit a long, he, he tried to hit a long iron out of that because it yeah. had been trampled down by the spectators. That ain't going to happen this year. If it goes over there, that's going to be like wedge sideways. Hopefully I can get it back in the fairway. Yeah. I uh, might've been better for him actually. And I don't know about you, but in my opinion, like a golf course like this really separates the field. And I feel like it's going to be a big name. It's a big, it's a big golf course. It's a big boy golf course, and I think one of the big names is going to be hoisting the trophy at the end of this week. I don't think there's any sleeper that's coming out of here. I think the last winner outside of the top 50 in the World Golf Rankings was Keegan Bradley in 2011. I do not see that trend uh, breaking this this week with someone outside the top 50. I think you're going to see if you look at that leaderboard going in Sunday. I think you're going to see all the marquee names in golf. It's just too hard. I don't think there's going to be any. Cinderella stories up there. If you look at 2006, it was Jeff Ogilvie, who at the time was a monster, winning all the WGCs, the match play. Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, who was a beast at U.S. Open for a long thing. Padraig, VJ. It was like the marquee guys. The only one up there that wasn't was that Kenneth Faree. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, Kenneth. Is it Faree? Faree or Faree? I'm not sure. Yeah, I thought it was Faree. I didn't didn't want to disrespect the man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He made a a good run, but mostly, I mean, you look at the top 10 names, like nine of them were like the guys at the time. So I think you'll get the same this year. So what you're saying is when we look at the odds in Chirp, in our Chirp app later on, you think it's going to be one of those favorites. Yeah, I don't see any sleeper coming up and win this. I think it's just too hard of a test. And if you can't get it done at a regular tour event, I don't see it like, oh, this is the one I'll do. The heart, This is the one I'll play well at, the hardest venue that we've seen all year by a mile. And it looks to be every bit of that. Okay, so for all you last-minute guys into the field, you're not going to win this week. Tough break, boys. <laughs> There's always next year. But we mentioned Chirp. Have you had the opportunity to use Chirp yet? Yeah, dude, I've had a blast with it. So this thing's been in beta testing for the last month or so. Ask me if I know what beta means. I don't, but I know we've been <laughs> testing it out. So I've been firing on it every single weekend. Dude, this thing makes watching golf so much more fun. So we've been in this like little group. It started at 20, then it grew to 50 and more and more. And we bet live action. You can bet anything you want. So you can bet tournament matchups at the beginning of the week if you like – Oh, I like John Rahm this week. Boom, you can fire on him and his odds. If you want round by round, all right, John Rahm versus Justin Thomas. I like Rahm in that too. Whatever you want, you can bet that. But where the rubber really meets the road is they got live betting that comes up. It's Mm. been the last like two hours, three hours of coverage every single round, and the bets start coming. So you're on your app. You're looking at it right there. As soon as it goes live, you get this little chirp, little chirp. 
chirp, lets you know on your phone that, hey, here come the bets. You get on it, and it gives you like a hole by hole. It'll probably give you like a bet every few minutes, mm-hmm. right? Will John Rahm hit the fairway on this hole? Will Ricky Fowler make this 10-foot birdie putt? What score will Xander Schauffele make on the par 3 12th? And it's got the odds for everything. And you start firing it, and you get started off with a certain amount of chirp dollars. So I think you start off with 10,000 chirp dollars on day one, right? If you blow your wad and you stink and you're just sending it on every single bet and you lose, no fear. You get reset. You get restocked the next day with some money, but it's harder to catch up at that point. So you're not like done for the week or anything like that if you blow your wad on the first day. But, dude, these things start coming. Mm -hmm. You can play little internal games with your boys. Like, all right, whoever has the most trip dollars at the end of the week, we get a hundo, Venmo, whatever it is. But, dude, it's fun. I've, I've been sitting on the couch. My wife's like, hey, Drew. Will you come clean? I'm like, shut up. I'm chirping right now. Can't you? I'm in the middle of chirp. If I miss two bets, I swear to God, I'm going to lose my mind. Do not talk. But, dude, it really makes it, like, fun while you're in the action because they just they keep coming. And you get a 30-second shot clock for each yeah. one. So, like, you can't sit there and be like, oh, will he make this 10 for Let me go check his stats or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you got to fire it right away. Or, or you miss it and you got to wait for the next one. It's I like fun, that. dude. I love that you can have some side action with your buddies. Yep. But then you can also win some incredible prizes yeah, and experiences through Golf.com, TrueSpec, Mira. All kinds of cool stuff on there. You're definitely going to want to check this out. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially this week at the U.S. Open, because I know everybody's going to be glued to their TV Yeah, all week long. It's the best way to watch. And, yeah, these aren't little, like, rinky-dink prizes like, oh, you win a hat. Like, these are legit, like, golf trips, clubs, all kinds of cool stuff. So it's a good time to fire. And you can you can start your own group. We're going to have our own league here at Golf, golf Sub Bar. Yeah. And you can also be in the global as well against, like, everybody that's playing on Chirp. So you can participate in two different groups, essentially, uh, the whole time. You could potentially win both if you go have it, if you go have a week out there. One of the prizes is if you beat Sleaze, he will tramp stamp your name. He'll get a tramp stamp of your name. Absolutely. I think that's fair. Brilliant. I think that's fair. I'm willing to do it even if you don't beat me. If I beat you, I might just do it out of respect. I love it. I've been it. looking let's, for a good tramp stamp. Let's get stamp. to the Chirp app and look at some of these odds for this week's U.S. Open. All right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off a list of favorites. Okay. I picked uh, seven guys who have the, the shortest odds to win this week. And this, is I think, is a little ridiculous. No offense to, to Chirp or anything. I, I know he's playing great golf. You know, Two wins, two seconds in his last four I starts. I think I know you're talking Dustin about. Dustin Johnson's plus 650. So 100, bo- 100 bucks returns you 650 if he wins. Six and a half to one. Six and a half to one. That's well, the next best. Heavy odds. Yeah. In, in a U.S. Open major championship field, the next best is John Rahm at plus 1,100. Almost two times. That's that's a little hard for me to believe. Six and a half X doesn't get you a lot of return. And when you get on Chirp, you'll see. You'll start off. I started off betting like 200 bucks, 150 bucks. And then I like after a few bets, I was like, what am I doing, dude? This, is, this isn't my money. I'm not betting like 10, I, I started just saying 3,000, 4,000. So like. As you get towards the end of the week, like you'll see guys just putting two fifty on will a guy hit the fairway or not because the money gets bigger and bigger. So, I love that. Yeah. All right. Some of the other favorites this week: Xander Schauffele plus fourteen hundred, Rory McIlroy plus fourteen hundred, Justin Thomas the same plus fourteen hundred, Bryson DeChambeau. Very interested to see Bryson this week. Chirp has him going off at plus eighteen hundred. Webb Simpson plus two thousand and Colin Morikawa. The most recent major winner, also at plus 2,000. Yeah, those are the boys. Those are the big names at the top. I would be somewhat surprised if one of those guys didn't get the job done at the end. There's obviously more guys in there that me, you can bet out of, on, too. Out of those seven guys, give me your top two. I'll give you my think. top two right now, and there's no. this is not like a surprise or anything, but one guy I love, 11-1, to 1, John Rahm, been mm. loving him. We all love him. We all love him. There's a lot to love, especially going into a golf course like this. But if you look at what are the two events I mentioned that have been hard golf courses since the yeah. restart? Olympia Muirfield Fields and Muirfield Village. And who won both? Mm-hmm. John Rahm. I mean, I think his game is suited for all this. We mentioned, you mentioned, like, you're going to have to make 10-footers. You're going to have to make 8-footers. You need a good short game. He's got all of that. You need an incredible short game. He's got all of that, and he's playing really well at the moment right now. So 11-1 to with John Rahm, that's one of the guys I like a lot. Who you got? Uh, My number one pick this week. This guy's played three U.S. Opens, and he's finished, his worst finish is T6. Yep. Uh, Finished T3 last year at the U.S. Open. The guy just, 
he's a big time player and at some point he's going to raise a big trophy and i think now's the time for xander shoffley yeah i just i think this place sets up perfect for him he drives the ball pretty straight um but he just he's one of those guys he has no weaknesses zero as, as our good friend the seagull charlie hoffman i mean He's scared of him. He won't even play he won't, him. He won't play him anymore. He won't even play so him. So it's, it's hard for me to bet against a guy like that, especially when he's, you know, 14 to 1 is du- versus Dustin, who's 6.5 to 1. I really like Xander a lot this week. Another guy, he's got his old caddy coming back on the bag after a little, little timeout. Jimmy Johnson is back on the bag for Justin Thomas. Arguably the best rough player on the PGA Tour with that upright golf swing, which, like I said, everyone's going to miss fairways. If you hit 50% of your fairways this week, that's a, that's a really good driving week. So I look for Justin to be up there as well. I like both of those picks. Xander was the second one that I had on that list, mm-hmm. too. I mean, you mentioned him. He, he's just hanging around the hoop so much in these big events. Third, fifth, second, third. You know, all these high finishes, eventually it's going to tip over. I went back and looked at his stats. Of the three U.S. Opens he's played in, which you mentioned, he's finished fifth, sixth, and third. If, if, if you accumulate all the guys that have played in those three same U.S. Opens, strokes game putting, Xander Shoffley's first. Birdies and Eagles made, Xander Shoffley's second. Strokes gained off the tee, Xander Shoffley is third. And proximity to the hole, Xander Shoffley is third. You didn't look that up. You stole Justin Ray's information. Give yeah, Justin I Ray some credit. I looked it up credit. on Twitter. Shout out Justin <laughs> Give Ray. Give Justin Ray some credit. Why that's would I guy. ever do any research when Justin exactly. Ray just gives it to you? Shout exactly. out Justin Ray. But, dude, that's wild, bro. For hey, guys, I'm really straight. smart. I, I thought about looking this up. <laughs> I did a little Brandle Chambly, and I just read books for 17 hours. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Straight from Justin Ray. I mean, his every stat, every yeah. strokes gained stat that really matters a lot, he's in the top three or five, basically. So, I, I look for him to have a big week. Yeah, and those are the favorites. I feel like we pick those same guys every week, but how do you not? Well, they're the best in the world. How do you not pick these guys at the U.S. Open? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I and the odds are, gonna, are just too yeah. high for for Dustin Johnson. I think a lot of – yeah, that's that's the only reason. Yeah. I mean – It's, it's not just, I don't like Dustin. I'm, I'm trying to make money, trying to make some chirp dollars I'm here. I'm trying to stack chirps. Yeah, trying to win prizes, and six and a half to one just doesn't really get it, get it going for me. But I need value. He's playing really good right now. <laughs> he's not surprised. terrible. Yeah. yeah. There's a reason he's the favorite. Exactly. All right, let's go to some dark horses, some guys that can really add some value and really move you up that leaderboard on Chirp. And I'm going with a guy who also plays very well at hard golf courses. Had an incredible final round. First off, the final round at Bay Hill and the final round Memorial, two guys broke 70. There was two rounds, sorry, two rounds under 70. They were both by the same guy, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, dude. Going off at 66 to 1. He's a world-class putter. Um, I think he's number six on the PGA Tour inside of 10 feet. And like we said at U.S. Opens, you're going to have a lot of 10-footers, a lot of 8-footers for par. you got to grind those out. And he's as good as they get. And for 66 plus 6,600, I love that value. Sneaky under-the-radar guy, too, that doesn't get enough credit for him. And a world-class short game. Like you mentioned, who's got the best short games out there? He's a guy that gets brought up all the time. So I don't hate that at all, especially at 66-1. to I'll give you my first dark horse. I don't know if this counts as – He's a dark horse necessarily. Thirty-three to one. You know that's pretty pretty long odds. I'm going to go with Mr. Jason Day, who's made a little resurgence lately. I don't consider that a dark horse. Is that dark enough? He's middle. He's like a gray horse. We'll call him the gray horse of the U.S. Open. But thirty-three to one, still a pretty good return on your chirp bucks. He finished fourth at the PGA Championship. He's had a really nice little resurgence. He has three top tens in his last five starts. When he's driving it well, he can drive it as good as almost anyone in the game. I also love the fact. Just like Jeff Ogilvie won in 2006, he can hit the ball high or as, as high as almost anyone in the game of golf, which coming into these greens at Wingfoot, well, that's paramount, I believe. And I also love him chipping and putting oh the golf God. ball. I mean, dude, there's no one I'd rather yeah. watch hit bunker shots, chip, all that stuff. He's nails with He's that. been the best, best putter from inside of 10 feet for years. On which I think tour. is a massive stat going in this week. So Jason Day at 33-1 to 1, I think is a pretty good one. I'll allow value. it even though it's not a dark horse. Okay. You know, I thought our dark horses were outside of 50-1, to 1, but you know what? It's, it's U.S. Open. Okay. We'll make it a little different. Fair enough. One more for you. Uh, Harris English, guy who just had an incredible season last season, also going off at 66-1. to 1. 
He's a guy. He's done unbelievable work with Justin Parsons on his swing. He's got it back, and a very underrated putter, in my opinion. Yeah, can't get can't get any argument with that. Good odds on that one too. This is where you got to send it. Stack up some chirpies. I'm gonna go right here with a guy, friend of the program, actually, Colt, mm. for my second dark horse, fifty to one, Mr. Paul Casey. Mm. So doesn't have the Hasn't greatest great doesn't have the greatest track record at U.S. Opens either. But if you look at where he has played well, his best U.S. Open finishes, they're all the hardest golf course. They're all the ones where par is at the most value, right? So his best finish is a tenth place at Oakmont in 2007. Next best finishes: sixteenth at Shinnecock, fifteenth at Wingfoot back in 2006. Oh, so when okay. when the winning scores are over par and par is a really good score, he tends to do better. And I, he, he's also a guy that, like, if you just look at him on paper, game looks like a U.S. Open type golf game. Hasn't been the best lately, but I think he, he's pretty damn close at the PGA. He just got beat by Ma, Colin Morikawa. So yeah. he's and that felt like All a little right. baby U.S. Open. So I'll take Paul Casey. All right. One of the one of the other cool things about Chirp is the prop bets. All kinds of prop bets on there. You can bet the start of the week. I know we each picked our favorite. Yes. So my favorite chirp prop bet of the week. What place will Tiger Woods finish? Okay. You can go first to fifth for 10 to 1, 6 to 10th, 3 to 1, 11 to 20th, 1 and a half to 1. Outside of 21st, you get him plus 700, 7 to 1. That's where I'm going with. I, uh, think, he's, I think he struggles this week. Load up on that. I would load <laughs> up on that at plus 700. So outside he'll probably win. 20. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he'll probably have a good week. But I mean, Dude, what can you look at with Tiger right now that's been like, yeah, he's going to play great at Wingfoot? I mean, yeah, I don't nothing. know. The driver hasn't been great. The putter has been really not good. And if you're going to have a lot of six, eight, ten footers for par, not a lot to think that, not a lot to make you think Tiger's going to play great at Wingfoot. Seven to one outside top 21. I will follow you to okay. that one on the well. And I got one here, Colt, that jumped out at me, and I'm going to send it in a massive way. <laughs> Maybe I might send my whole lot on this on day one. What will the score? I'm sorry. What score will the winner of the tournament shoot? Okay. okay, at minus two or worse. Okay, so minus two or worse, you're getting plus five hundred. Okay, mm. I've seen nothing thus far or read anything that leads me to believe that anyone's going to go out there and shoot under par on this golf course. I think you're going to get an over par winning score, and I think it could be a lot over par based on what I've seen so far. I think it could surpass what we saw in you 2006. Hope, hope so. And I hope, I hope this will be a this will be a a brain bet and a heart bet on mm -hmm. this, but plus 500 minus two or worse. I'm going to send it on that all day long. I think that's a home run. Yeah. I mean, the weather forecast looks good for the most part. Very little chance of rain. I, I think if it doesn't rain, the greens are going to get firm. And I think hundred percent over par will win from everyone I've talked to, whether it be Josh Gregory, who coaches a lot of PJ tour players to Gary Woodland to Justin Thomas. They're like, this place is so hard. It's ridiculous. It's monstrous. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine it. It doesn't look any easier than yeah. I saw in so, 2006 last night. Please USGA do not soften this thing. If up. you soften it, you're dead to me. All all right, we're going to make one last bet on the Chirp app, and that's we're going to pick our favorite matchup of the week. And I'm going with a guy. First off, I said he's a great rough player. He's going to be in the rough. Everyone's going to be in the rough. Justin Thomas over a guy that has not played well since the restart. He's really just not got it going at all. I don't, he, obviously, he's a new father and all this, so he had some other distractions going on. But it's an even money bet for Justin Thomas to beat Rory McIlroy. I really like Justin Thomas a lot this week. Yeah, not mad at it. Rory had a little brief, you know, show up after the baby there at Eastlake, but it hasn't been the dude that we've come to love, you know, and come to expect mm -hmm. over since the restart. So, yeah, JT, he's, he's built for this too. I'm not mad at that. I'll give you another one, and this is a guy that you liked. You already mentioned him earlier in the show. Matthew Fitzpatrick, even money, mm -hmm. plus 100, over Jordan Spieth. Eesh. And I love – let me I just know. preface this by saying so we love Jordan. Jordan. I don't not – rooting against Jordan Smith. I want him back. I want him winning majors. And I think he will be back. But right now, dude, looking at this rough, 
looking at everything that's going on, the driver just doesn't seem to be where it needs to be to play at Wingfoot. He missed the cut last week at Safeway in a field that wasn't great. Now you're going to Wingfoot, big boy. I just don't see it. And on top of that, I think Matthew Matthew Fitzpatrick, like you said, yeah. is a is a great pick this week. Especially at even money, man. Like I'll probably slam that one. All right. Well, those are our picks. So like we said, make sure you go download the Chirp app today. It's going to be a lot of fun this week. We're going to have our own golf subpar league. Yes. A chance Com- to beat the sleaze and I. You mm. can win some fantastic prizes. All you have to do is go to our social media, at golf subpar. That's golf underscore subpar. On Instagram or Twitter, follow us if you don't already, but you should be. There's right. no reason not to. Send us a DM, and we'll get you in the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. Once again, that's the Chirp app. We're going to be involved this week. Trash talk. We'll be getting amongst it. A lot of fun. A lot of cool prizes to win. Everyone's going to have a lot of fun with it. Hope everyone enjoys the U.S. Open. Now it's time to get to our very special guest, major champion Sophia Popoff here on Golf Subpar. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here, the most recent major champion in the world of golf and the winner of the AIG Women's Open at Royal Troon. Sophia Popoff joins us here on Golf Subpar. How are we doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you've been on a whirlwind of a media tour right now. Over, under, or just a guesstimate, how many interviews have you done since you won? You know, it's really tough because a couple of people have asked me that, and I can't even t- I, I I would say it's about, the first week was about six a day for seven days. Pretty normal. <laughs> and then, what are we in the second week? Or, no, third week now. I'd say 40-ish. Yeah. Just a little smooth 40. Yeah, I think it's going to continue to <laughs> a grow. normal though. week. Yeah, this might not be the last one you do. How are you handling all the attention, though? Are you liking it, or has it just been like, oh, my God, this is too much? It's a little bit of both. I think, obviously, um, you know, you wouldn't change it for anything. You would. I, I'd, I'd never go back and not win because I don't want the attention. But at the same time, it's been a little bit crazy, something to get used to. Um, just, you know, people actually recognizing you at the golf course or wherever you're playing. You know, normally it's just like, oh, you know. You want to play here? Um, who are you? And now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the course. What and do you want? It's all free. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, that that's just been a little bit different. And I'm, you know, I'd, I'd like to think of myself as just I, I pretty much stay the same person. So it's just weird because suddenly things come easier and <laughs> I'm just not quite used to it yet. Well, I heard the, the members at your golf course, Fire Rock, here, here in Arizona, did something really cool for you recently. Yeah, it was really nice. We, um, I, I played 18 holes uh, with a couple of buddies and, um, and other good golfers, and, and we came up 18, and I was wondering. I was teeing off on 18, and suddenly there's this big crowd on the 18th green, and I'm like, what's going on? And um, so it was really nice. I actually walked up to the, to the 18th green, and they basically gave me that – final applause I guess that you get um, normally when you walk up to the 18th green when you know um, you've you've basically won a tournament and it was really really nice um, just to kind of have what I didn't have at the British so um, it was it was very nice gesture from them yeah that is that is that is awesome but what are some of the other cool things that have happened since you won obviously besides that I'm sure there was a big celebration probably filled this thing up a couple times you're all about that yes (laughs) so we may or may not have had a lot of drinks under the trophy uh, from the first night on. And then it's just kind of like whoever you were celebrating, everyone's like, well, can I drink out of it? And I'm like, okay, I guess it's COVID times, but (laughs) we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, So it's just been a lot of just, you know, almost every day kind of having drinks with other friends and celebrating with different people. And um, honestly, it's just been, it's been a little bit crazy because I've been so busy. So I haven't even been able to just, 
this Friday was the first time I actually hadn't had a real celebration in the golf club. And at, before that, it was just kind of like running around and, and appointments and it's 9 p.m. and I'm exhausted and tired and I'm jet lagged. And I'm like, see y'all later. I'm like, yeah, but look at it, that thing. Every look day. at it has this to beauty be right here. Yeah, I mean, 100%. That is so cool and a life-changing win, no doubt. Absolutely, absolutely. What's, has there been anyone that you've, that's reached out to you or that you've heard from where it was like a pinch yourself moment where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this person's reaching out to me? Well, it's a little bit, I think it came in combination with, you know, a little bit of the controversy around um, my exemption for the next, um, I guess, year and a half now instead of five. And so I've had a lot of players on the European tour, um, PGA tour players, uh, and, and obviously a lot of the girls on tour have reached out to me either via social media or or text message and, and, and congratulated me and we're like, they're all on my side and if you need any help, we'll back you up. And it's just been really cool because these are the people I watch every weekend or I, because I watch, I, I love watching golf. So I watch these guys week in, week out and then they're kind of like messaging me or tweeting at me and I'm like, this is, this is really cool. Like now they, they know who I am, which is pretty surreal. Yeah, I saw Tommy Fleetwood and Ian Poulter were two mm-hmm. guys that really were in your corner. Yeah. Obviously, like I think most of the world is because yeah. the rule is absolutely ridiculous. We can get into that in a little bit. But that's pretty cool to have two guys like that reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I think, for them, I think the passion also comes from, you know, it's it's the British Open for us Europeans is probably our biggest major. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they kind of realized that for them too. And they said, man, if I played the British Open and I wasn't a European tour, a PGA tour member and didn't get the exemption, I'd be livid. And so I think that's where that was coming from f- for them. And so it's been really cool. And I think Luke Donald also reached out. So that was that was pretty awesome. They've had some big name people coming to bat for you, which has to be pretty cool. And we'll, like Colt said, we'll get into that here in a little bit, but hopefully they can spark a spark a change and make things right but i want to get to like your story it's been pretty well told like you said you've done 40 something interviews already but walk us through like your background leading up to this you know the the open championship win you're four-year all-american at usc you graduate walk us through your pathway to kind of where you are now yeah a little bit of a rocky road i guess um i graduated in 2014 and just coming off a kind of a college high um, I won events every year that I that I played there, and obviously the national championship in 2013, and just playing a lot of good golf. And I turned pro in 14 and started playing on the Euro- ladies European Tour. And my first start, I came in 13th, I believe. Um, and it was just then I the next one in Sweden, I came in seventh, and it was just I was playing really well and got both of my tour cards for LET and LPGA at the end of the year and was really excited to go into 2015 and um i started feeling not great just a couple of symptoms like weird things happening over around christmas time and so i flew to australia in january i think or february for the first event on the lpga and i was really excited but i was i felt terrible like i had a lot of stomach issues fatigue going on all these all these things happening and i didn't really get it couldn't keep any food down it was just like kind of a very very rough time because I went to a couple doctors there uh played but oof, it was just it was brutally playing it was pretty hot I remember and just didn't feel well coming home and I went to see another couple doctors in Germany then in the states I mean I'd seen I think six or seven doctors by the time March came around and no one could really tell me what's going on and it just felt worse and worse had my appendix taken out in April of 2015 and just like a snowball, just kind of a bunch of things going on. And and that kind of, you know, they it, it 
I wasn't diagnosed with anything until the end of 2017. So it was three years of that, just playing through pain, playing through fatigue, um, just a just a really hard time because you cannot perform at the level that I was performing at during college. I just didn't know how to even get there, and so obviously a lot of self doubt. It was it was very rough, and until my diagnosis and at the end of 2017 with Lyme disease, and finally I think I had you know they pinpointed something I knew what it is and so I could actually go do my own research I just did a lot of you know I read a lot of books went online did, read all these articles and figured out a way to kind of cure it naturally I guess uh, so I just changed up my diet really extreme uh, from one day to the next I did that for four weeks and detox and at first felt not great at all and then after about two weeks I felt really great and I was like wow this is is this what it feels like to be normal again? And it was just this kind of aha moment for me, like, okay, I think it's just going to be a little bit tougher for me. I'm going to have to keep up my diet. I'm going to have to practice uh, harder. I'm just have to have to get back to where I was three years ago. And then I started, I played, I think, 17. I played on Symmetra. 18, I got my card back on LPGA. Had a decent season, but lost my card. 19, played half and half. That's always lovely really fun. Uh, just missed out on my card uh, by one shot at Q series, which was brutal. And I started the season on Symmetra tour and got into marathon by with a Symmetra fill. So I got into LPGA event because I couldn't feel fill the field qualified wow. for the British and on the British. So wow, that is crazy. But take take me back to the Lyme disease because Jimmy Walker on the PGA tour is obviously it's been open about this and everything. And it's really affected his game. And I, I have no idea what it's like, but what is your like everyday, you know, process with having to deal with that? Do you still deal with it? Yeah, I think um, because I was so strict with my diet the last about three years, um, you know, here and there, yes, I'm going to have some drinks. Um, you better believe I celebrated this win. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I had and I have some some snacks here and there that I might not be I might shouldn't probably have. But at the same time, when I know I need to play well in a following week, I'm super strict that week before. And I'm, you know, no sugar, no, um, basically no carbs, um, a lot of just almost raw food. So it's very extreme. And so I think that like I've now I felt pretty well for the last two years. I have phases here and there where I know, okay, I just played four weeks in a row. I haven't been eating great. I have host families. My host families, let's say they're Southern and they mm. cook some night, like mm -hmm. stuff that I love, but should not be eating. Stuff that I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just so hard, you know, because you're, then you're, you're tired. You come off the golf course and you're like, oh God, there it is, that casserole. <laughs> I just like dig into it. And, you know, of course that's going to happen. So, and then I have these phases where after that, I kind of go into like a little bit of a low where I'm just really tired. I, I, feel fatigued for about three to four days, but then I, I juice, I kind of do a cleanse, mini cleanse, um, eat healthy, and then I start feeling better immediately again. So it's a little bit of an up and down thing for me, um, but I do know what I have to stay away from as far as food goes, and um, and I know when I have to perform, I just have to be very strict the, you know, the weeks before. Yeah, and like well, you said, it's obviously been a kind of a roller coaster yeah. of a road. Was there ever a point where you thought about maybe stepping away from the game? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I know that during my speech, I said I was going to quit a year ago, but that was not the only time yeah. that I that I thought about quitting. I mean, 
after right before my diagnosis um i hit that kind of i don't know it, you know it was almost like i hit that limit where i said i can't take anymore and i i don't know there's there's no way i'm gonna play well in the shape i'm in right now and it's so frustrating because i know how well i can play and i think that frustration just like all came together and i thought i think so in 2017 the first time i thought maybe i should just step away i should do something else that i'm fine doing with all the symptoms that i have and then 2000 after 2019 so last year again after q series um i was just like you know dagger in the heart i was like my god you make eagle on the second to last hole you bogey the last just to miss out on 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 status and i mean you know what it's like it's it's just it's so up and down you're like oh i'm playing well missed out oh i'm playing well oh i missed out again like it's just and then you're thinking okay maybe that was a sign maybe that was a sign for me to just you know throw in the white towel be done with it but I knew the frustrating thing was I knew I wasn't even playing close to at my full potential. And I knew there was like more in me. And I just knew that my mental game wasn't quite there. Like I was starting to play a lot better since 2018, but just mentally, I could not consistent enough. I'd have tournaments where I'm playing well and I could keep it together. And then other tournaments where I'm just kind of, I lose it. I question things, you know, the negative spiral, classic, classic golfer, negative talk. And that just came too many times. And I needed to work on that so badly. And I just put it off all the time until quarantine, where I really started working on my mental game a lot and my attitude. Wow. So when you were second guessing, like playing, do I want to keep playing or not? Was that more of a, a product of, I don't feel very good my health, physically, like I'm not feeling well? Or it was like, I feel okay. I'm just not playing how I think I can. And I'm about ready to be done. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I think that mentally mainly I was drained I was super drained I was just kind of I think I it's it's very hard to explain because you know when you're in that moment it's you're kind of you're saying this is not happening because of this and this and I'm never going to get there and and it's very hard to get out of that and I think so it was mainly mentally because physically I think I reached a point where I could play well and I was getting better I've been working really hard with my trainer and my physio and so physically, I think I, I was fine, pretty much there. Um, but mentally, just I wasn't giving my, you know, my attitude wasn't good enough. I was just not, you know, I didn't have that. I don't, it's, it's hard to say, but when you're on the golf course, like I wasn't in that mindset that I had to be in to play well. And I think that I was just questioning, qu questioning whether I could get there. And so at the end of the year, I was like, I don't know. And you know, after a lot of talks with my mom and my, my boyfriend, we, we decided, you know, they said either you step away, mm -hmm. do something else, or you give it another shot, but then give it everything you have. Work on your mental game a lot because it's going to have to be better. Your attitude is going to have to be better. And, and then that's what I decided to do. And I said, all right, you know, I'm, I'm 27 now. I'll give myself a couple more years and, and just work harder than I did before. What were you thinking about doing if you did step away from golf? Do you have anything in mind? Like, hey, I want to go do this. Yeah, uh, actually, I um, I was a communication major and, and sports media minor at SC, and I really wanted to get into broadcast. So my dream is is to go into sports broadcast. 
Um, and something along the lines of what y'all are doing. It's so, still Colt's job. Listen, do not take <laughs> our job. Dude, you're <laughs> lucky it's double alive, bro. If you could quit, you'd be out of a gig. We have nothing up. going for us other than this <laughs> Yeah, we right need now. this. Please, Come God, on. keep winning tournaments. I don't, I don't, I'd have a hard time being as funny. Just like, you know. So do we. <laughs> no, actually, no. Y'all we, are we pretty try. funny. We try. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. Um, but let's get into that golf, golf.com article that came out. They kind of detailed about you not getting the five-year exemption, not getting into the ANA. So when you won, did you know that like you weren't going to get the five-year exemption because you weren't technically an LPGA member, or was that kind of shocking news to you? Um, it was a little shocking news because actually I had I had gotten new or like the info right after my win. Um, I think after my first interview that I did, um, you know, the LPGA came to me and said you know, good news, you have a five-year exemption on tour. Bad news, you won't get into A&A. And so I said, okay, I knew about A&A because the field is frozen as of March. That's one thing. And then, but I was like, you know, honestly, great. I get a couple weeks off and then I have my five-year exemption. Awesome. A couple days later, you know, I heard about, um, not actually directly at first, um, that I heard about not getting the five-year exemption. So I think that's what shocked me a little bit because um, it came through other channels that I found out about it. And so um, I think it was a little bit, at, it was very hard because at that time I was still trying to celebrate my win. And then I hear about this and then I'm going, well, I understand the rule fully and I'm very aware of you know why the decision is made. But it's just tough to have to hear one thing first and then the other thing. Yeah. If you immediately hear it, that's one thing. Yeah. And, and and you can say, all right, you know, I knew right off the bat Sunday, Sunday night before I even started celebrating, it was just going to be a year and a half exemption. And so I think that was the tough thing um, for me. And then also, you know, it, it's hard to grind it out on LPGA for four years and then Symmetra for a year. So in the last five years, I had LPGA status, four of them. Um, or five out of the last six years, I believe. And, and, and then to like basically not get the exemption because the rule says I'm coming out of nowhere, basically. Mm -hmm. I'm not an LPJ member. And I that, mean, that kind of hurt. You're in, you're in yeah. a major championship. Like this rule makes no sense to me, but it's not the, you're not the first person this has happened no. to. I mean, this happened last year, but I just don't understand like how you can win this. You can, you're going to play great golf. We know that. But say something crazy happened and you did lose your card. Mm -hmm. You're exempt into the majors for the next five years, but you don't have an LPGA card. Yeah, you can card. play our biggest events in the I mean, world. You just can't, can't play, play the, the other every, ones. <laughs> yeah. How does, I, that, how does that pencil? And like, I know. I mean, in the way things are going in the world, things are crazy. Like, I just don't understand how they can't just make an exception to the rule or rewrite the rule. Especially with all the, like, support that you're getting yeah. from everyone else. Like, these aren't just random Twitter guys chiming in. These are, like, wor the world's best golfers all coming to your side and being like, this is wrong. Yeah, I think that... Um you know, for me, I guess I'm in a little bit of a tough position. I've always had um, a very good relationship with everyone at, at the LPGA and, and our commissioner. And I think that, you know, I, I understand um, where they're coming from and that this is a rule and you can't change it midway through the season. Um, but, you know, I think there's definitely um, at least room for negotiations for, for the future. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that this is in the future a rule that should be changed just because the men's side doesn't have it. It's just our women's side that has it. And it's an and LP and the, the Symmetra tour is a developmental tour of the LPGA. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but um, at the same time, of course, I'm, you know, it, I, I, I love all the backing that I'm getting on social media and, 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 you know, they're basically speaking for me because I, 
um, for me, it's just a tough position, I guess, to be in with, um, you know, not, I, I, I always say too, that, like you said, good golf is going to take care of itself. Um, and, or take care of the rest for me, but it's going to be, you know, I guess in the back of your head, it's something that I don't want to play with. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to approach the next couple of tournaments differently knowing I only have a year and a half exemption. I'm, I'm going to say, I just want to go out there and play well. That's what yeah. I do every tournament. But at the same time, I mean, it is five years. It's nice job having security. that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice having like, oh, safety net. And I saw the commissioner yeah. just recently came out and made a statement like, hey, we understand this may not be the best rule. There's a chance we might, I may readdress this at the end of the season. Is that something at the end of the season? Could he retroactively go back and be like, hey, we think this rule stinks. Sophia's going to get a five-year exemption now. Or is it like from this point forward, everyone else that does this gets the five-year exemption? Or do you know? I don't know. And I think that, you know, that's something that I probably have to talk to him about and or you know those are negotiations that might have to be made at the end of the year and honestly right now I don't know at all I I can't even I can't tell but um of course that would that would sting pretty badly if yeah. it I mean if it was that way I'm if I'm commissioner of the LPGA tour I mean this is one of the biggest stories that anyone can remember on the LPGA tour in a very very long time and whether it be the five-year exemption or even the ANA which is coming up I mean, to draw more attention to women's golf and make this right, like, I just don't understand what they're waiting on. Like, this is a no-brainer. I mean, the Masters gives out special exemptions, I mean, yeah. maybe one or two a year. Uh, we just had our major champion, Sophia Popoff, win. We're going to put her in our field. Like, does that not make total sense? She just won one of the preeminent yeah. events on our tour. Yeah, you would think. You yeah. also did make a lot of real money. Maybe you could slide someone a little something under the <laughs> I table. I think there's and some be like, grease available here. I need you want us exemption. to reach out? We, we know some people. We got, they got baseball We have greased our way through we a lot of some, things. Some influential people. I think you guys would be a lot more smooth in doing so <laughs> as as opposed to me. I would be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how smoothly that negotiation <laughs> would be if I just like handed over a little bit of money under the table. How no. much is it going to take to make this right? That's yeah, exactly. the question I want to ask. <laughs> well, speaking of that, though, the big winner's check, have you treated yourself to anything mm. yet? Uh, yes. Oh, good. Just, Can you share? Just it? yesterday. Oh, there we go. <laughs> because uh, as of recently, I haven't actually been able to, you know, everyone asked me that question. I said, honestly, I'm not, I haven't even thought about it. I'm kind of more of this, I'm going to save the money kind of person. Um, but I actually got myself a track man and I'm really excited oh. about that. And, you know, that's one thing that I've, I've really wanted and, uh, just honestly couldn't, couldn't afford. <laughs> you're winning majors without track man. Think what you're going to do now. You're way smarter than us. We would have blown it on something stupid. No, it would be <laughs> shiny and it would have diamonds. No, you you can buy likely. something to help your career out or you can just waste it on something that does nothing. Something with four that's wheels or tells time. That's what I'm looking for when I get a check like that. But can we go to the, I want to go to the, to the, um, open championship, right? You get in, you finish top 10 the week prior. You get in, you got in the, that field because of COVID restrictions. So you get in there, you top 10. Now you're going to the women's open realistically every every golfer goes into a tournament saying i want to win i want to win right that's what everyone's going to tell you but realistically going into that week what were your expectations were you like i i'm did you expect to win or were you kind of just like man i didn't even expect to be here this week you know it was um i just i, I had a really great mindset going into the tournament because actually the week before i had played in phoenix i played a Symmetra event so i had one more week in between the actual qualifying for the british and the british and I said, there's a Symmetra event the week before in at Longbow um, here in, in the Phoenix area. And so I said, oh, I want to play that because technically the Symmetra Tour money list was, you know, what I was trying to 
do well on uh, to get my card back at the end of the year. And so I said, I don't really want to miss out on it. It's kind of a home game, you know, a little bit. And um, and so I played there and I and I didn't get to to Glasgow until Tuesday morning. So I, I we got there. I remember Wednesday is the first time I could actually go on the course because I hadn't gotten my test results back yet. And I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm on the course on Wednesday. And of course, the conditions are like really nice mm. the way they were definitely not going to be the next couple of days. Um, and it was just really pretty. Like the, the course was nice, um, was setting up well. I was hitting it very well. Couldn't feel the jet lag quite as much as I thought I would. And I think just from that moment on, I just felt very comfortable. I said, you know, I know my golf game's in a good spot. Um, the conditions are going to be brutal. So it's all about shot making. It's going to be interesting because you can be very creative. I think our mindset the whole time was more about having fun um, than any expectations. So I never even, I went in thinking, you know, honestly, if I can make the cut, awesome. I'm going to make some money. Great. But I think it was all about just going out there and having a good time. Is, is there a shot, maybe the final round or maybe throughout the week that really sticks out to you when you think back about it? Um, probably my driver off the deck on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of a turning point for me because there were, there were definitely shots actually on, on Thursday, Friday, like really, really good shots that I hit with the wind blowing as hard as it was. Um, very hard to kind of just, I I guess, memorize all of them because it was just such a grind. It was kind of like you were on number one and you were looking at the people coming down 18 going, oh my God, I want to be there right now. (laughs) Like it was like that. I remember a couple of friends of mine coming down 18 and I go, man, I just want to switch with you guys right now. I've got 40 mile an hour wins right now and they, which they had too, but I was like, I need to do this all right now. And so it's just, it was such a grind that you can't even remember. I just remember making a lot of really good up and downs, um, making, you know, having to, uh, missing a couple fairways, having to make it up and down from 70, 80 yards a couple times. And, but then obviously Saturday was kind of the turning point for me because I was a little bit nervous. I was, I was leading or second, maybe at that point. And our goal was to play very aggressively. And so that driver off the deck to me was kind of the sign of, I'm just going to go for it. And, and, you know, this is my time now. And when that worked out and I made Eagle, it was kind of like, okay, this is, Mm -hmm. this could be my week because things are just going my way. Yeah. That was incredible. I'm going to, that might be the answer to this question, but at what point that might've been it right there where you like, you show up, you're like, I just like to make the cut, make some money. That'd be great. It's great to be here. At what point were you like, holy shit, I might win this thing. It's very tough to say because I think there were a couple different moments, but after I actually finished my second round and won over on the second day to and to finish even total for the two days was a really good score. That second day, the conditions were even tougher than the first day. And I was so happy I made I made a clutch, long clutch par pot on 16, 15. And then I made a birdie putt on 18 um, to be even after two days. And I think at that moment, I thought, you know, the conditions are so hard and I've got myself quite a bit of buffer as far as just other scores. I mean, the cut was at nine over and I thought, you know, if you can get through the first two days yeah. at even par, you're in a really good spot. And I think yes, then that hole with the driver off the deck, making eagle, those were all kind of for me, you know, times during the round where I thought, where I think I start, I, I, I don't know if I clearly pictured myself like holding the trophy, but it was like where I thought this could definitely be my week. And I was just excited to kind of keep playing. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So I I watched the final round, and I we all know that in major championships or in even regular tournament golf, you have to have some good breaks go your way to win. And I remember the bounce. I don't know if you. I'm sure you've watched the coverage, but the bounce you got on 15 mm-hmm. off the tee. I mean, you had a several shot lead, but you never know out in open championship golf. For that ball to bounce to the left of those bunkers, and then you turn it into a birdie, I thought that was the moment that's like, okay, she's yeah. got this thing. That was that was absolutely for me exactly the point. I mean, I on eleven, I made a like a, a seven eight footer for par, and I think that was probably one of the most clutch shots I had made or putts all all day. But then on fifteen, I, I remember we were on the tee box, and normally I'm the kind of person who stands there and goes, and like I'll talk to my caddy and be like, "That's in the bunker, right?" And then I'm like expecting my caddy just be, to just say something like, uh, uh, "Maybe, not sure." And normally I'm, I, I'll re, I'll just say that again and again. I'm like, "I'm sure it's in the bunker. It's probably on the edge of the bunker. I'm probably actually totally." And I and I just decided after that tee shot, I said, "Don't say anything. Just." And don't t- say anything to Max, poor guy. Like, don't don't get annoyed about it to him about how it might be on the at the edge of the bunker, and just kind of see where it is. And it was interesting because we were like halfway up the fairway, and our um, and the walking commentator, um, he like gave me a thumbs up from a little bit further away, and and I could kind of tell. I thought, okay. Yeah. I think I think I'm fine. I mean, at least my lie in the bunker is fine. And then I got up there and I go, oh my god, it's left of the bunker. And I could see the ball, so I knew mm-hmm. it wasn't sitting down. And at that moment, I knew I thought, you know, this this, this has to be my week. That is, yeah, yeah. I, and it was for sure it was. But take us through the walk up 18 because normally that's an unbelievable scene with the, the crowds and everything going crazy there. But you you really held it together. And then all of a sudden, before you had your little tap in to win, the motion started coming out. How were you able to, first off, how'd you hold it together that long? I would have been crying on the 18th tee. We're <laughs> crying on Once 12. I might win. Yeah. There's a chance I'd win. I'm, I'm losing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, you know, at, at every moment during the round, I was just trying to keep doing what I'm doing. I just said, one shot at a time. Don't ever get ahead of yourself because it's it's British Open golf at any moment. You know, things can go sideways. But I didn't think that in my head. In my head, it was just like, only positive thoughts, only, okay, on to the next. What do I have to do here? What's the job at hand? And then on 18, after actually, after I hit that tee shot on 17 and I hit the green, I was like, okay, the way I'm putting, I'm not going to make, hopefully not going to make more than two putts. So I'm hoping I'm going to make par. And then I, I should have a buffer. I actually didn't know what my, what my exact buffer was going into 18 because I hadn't looked at the, at the scoreboard, but in my like I could feel I was like there's no way that anyone is within two shots of eight or two or three maybe I thought maybe three shots but I was mm-hmm. like I don't think anyone's within two shots of eight under and so I kind of could start enjoying it but then after the tee shot I, I had to hit that tee shot in 18 I was very nervous for that the second shot and I was like trying to it was almost like oh my god I just want to let it all out now like I know it's you know I know it's happening I just want to enjoy this and then that second to last putt that I hit okay I said I can just completely break down now because no matter what I'm still gonna make that last little putt like I can be crying you know I can be bawling and I'll still make that putt so at that moment I knew you can like let go it's fine and I just all this just pressure and intensity of the round just all kind of you know came out in that moment and I thought you can finally let go and it's okay and yeah, it was just, I think now when I look back on it, it's, I think that's always the moment that gives me like the most, like, I guess, emotion when I think back on it, because 
it's just um just a crazy crazy feeling that finally you're able to to do it and get I, it done like i that. loved your third shot by the way <laughs> she short, just short left of the bunker could have had to chip it maybe over the corner like nah i'm putting no it over way. there over no here way. boys and girls this thing <laughs> i love that i ain't so gonna be much. vandeveld out here <laughs> oh yeah no no nope. i was like how lovely would it have been to just like oh let's hit this like nice nippy like chip over the bunker and then just catch it just a little yep. fat and it just goes in the No bunker. time to show off now. <laughs> no, Let's just no. get this one I, over with. I immediately, I, I kind of went on the green and I, I showed Max, I said, I just want to hit it here, right? And he goes, yep. And he already takes out the putter. And yep. I'm like, yep. Love that. <laughs> like, how was he having him on the back? That's your boyfriend, Max. He was with you all week. What, what was it like having him? And how was he calming you down? Because the first time in this situation for anybody, I mean, your mind is racing. What did he do? How are you calming yourself like throughout all this going on? Yeah, you know, I think that um, he's just, he's a very mellow guy anyways. He's very even keeled, which is which is nice. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes almost too relaxed where I'm like, dude, like, what's going <laughs> This on? matters. Yeah, or like, where's the towel? Like, are you going to clean my ball? <laughs> like, you know, where he's like, oh, sorry, I was just, I was, I was watching the dogs on the beach and I'm like, okay, cool. But it would, it would kind of like, bring me back to okay this is we're just having fun out here we're having a good time he's watching the dogs on the beach like it is really nice like they're ha the scots think this is a great day right now <laughs> like it's it's maybe 58 degrees and they're all on the beach and i'm like wow that's pretty pretty impressive um but he just kind of has this yeah just re relax and calm attitude about him and i think he knows what to say and when to say it and he knows what not to say and I think that's the most important thing because when you can sense that someone's nervous, there's a way, you know, some caddies that I've had previously that would kind mm -hmm. of make me even more nervous because they would make me aware of a situation instead of making me just distract me and, 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 and think about something different. And I think that's what he did really well. And I think I could never feel his nerves at any point in the round which was awesome. I could I could sense he was a little nervous before the round, but as soon as we got out there, it was kind of like, okay, business. Let's, you know, figure out yardages, stick to our routine, and and it was just, you know, easy conversations. Speaking of caddying, you were caddying just, what, three weeks before you won the Open Championship? You were actually on the bag. When you were on the bag, did that give you some perspective in watching everyone play and being like, I can, I can beat these people? Yeah, I think um, for sure. I mean... Obviously, I've played LP a, a bunch. I think I've played about thirty or something like that, thirty-five LPGA events. So, um, I've, I, you know, I know I can be out there and I can beat the girls, and I've done it before. I've played well, and but being on Anne's bag was actually really interesting because I think it just gave me a perspective, a totally different perspective on how to look at a course. I think that normally, you know, I'm going out there, kind of half relying on myself, half relying on my caddy to tell me like we just make the decisions together but to to like figure out where we want to hit these shots and I'm very aggressive I'm normally someone who's like going at everything and I think when it was funny because Inverness was not an easy track like it was very hard and and the weather was tough and and Anne hits the ball really far and it was just really interesting because I would always tell her I'd say you know hit it to like 15 20 feet all day just give yourself opportunities to make to make birdies like you're gonna you're gonna roll some in you're gonna you're you're putting well and it was funny because I catch myself 
saying these things and then I'm on the course by myself and I'm like just go at everything right at and exactly and at short sided short sided <laughs> and I'm like why don't you tell yourself to give yourself more opportunities give yourself more 15 20 footers and because as you, we all know like when you roll one of those in you you gain confidence you, you you're able to make maybe a couple more so I don't know it's just I think a different perspective for me and it helped me a lot as to how I strategically want to play at at Troon, but also how to, I guess, interact with with my caddy Max, because I think that sometimes I get so intense about my own game that, you know, I, I, I say something that might be a little bit harsh or and and I and and, you know, Anne was always really nice to me because I'm her best friend. And so, and, and I was like, oh, this is this is how like caddy player interaction should be. We should be really focused on what we want to do. And like between the shots, we should just be talking about God knows what. So I thought that that relationship that we had on the course that day or that week kind of was very similar to what Max and I had at Troon. And it was it was cool just to see kind of both sides of, of it, I guess. Has your caddy rate gone up now that you're a major champion? Someone wants you on the bag next yeah. week got to go up now don't you think well being that you got this little beauty right in front of you she's not gonna be caddying anything yeah i know soon. but i'm just saying hypothetically my my resume yeah. looks pretty good yeah, exactly i tell you what would I ruin mean. my confidence personally is playing golf with who you caddy for and van Dam. like her swing is so good and she smashes it i want no part of that keep her away from me please <laughs> can't handle that i got a little bit of an ego agreed not Wouldn't as big as pretty. Trish, but you know what i'm saying but i got you look at this trophy right here and this is so cool to be sitting right here next to it. You got names Lorena, Ochoa, Kari Webb, Annika Sornstam. I mean, how cool is it that your name is going to be with those? It's pretty surreal, to be honest. Like, I keep looking at it and I go, my God, like mm. these people, these are these are all players that I've looked up to my whole career. And I've been lucky to play with a couple of them before. And it's just incredible when I look at their careers and what they've accomplished. And then you say, okay, well, now... I can put my name on this trophy with the rest of them and no one's going to take it away. No one's yeah. going to ever scratch that name out again. You know, this is, this is my championship for the rest of my life. And, and I think that's pretty crazy. And I think something that I really want to enjoy and take in because I think, you know, as golfers, we're always, or as when you're a professional athlete in whatever sport, you're always looking forward to what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think that I've, you know, at least had now two weeks to really actually take it in and just enjoy it, keep looking at the trophy. You know, I take it with me pretty much everywhere. And, um, and I mean, you can tell it looks a little dirty there. It's fine. It <laughs> it's great. insured. It's fine. I'm know. sure it's been through the ringer. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you taking this with you everywhere you go? What's the, what's no, the deal? Do no, you get not. this for a year the same way and then you get a replica or how does the trophy work? Yeah. So, um, I get to keep this one for the year. I have to bring it back next year for Carnoustie and then I get a replica, ninety percent re- replica of it. Yeah, beautiful. That is awesome. Beautiful. Well, We're gonna drink out of it. I don't care yeah. about COVID or anything. We'll I have to drink from a major championship trophy at one point in my life, and I think the <laughs> the ship has sailed of me actually ever being. You still got one. the mid am goals, Perfect. remember? That's true. I do Getting have the mid am. So I'm gonna win the mid am. All right. Well, we do this with every guest at the end of the show. Emergency nine, just nine. Some fun, some serious questions. Just okay. quick ones. No, no big deal. But I'm going to let Slee start Mine are off. mostly stupid. Yes, I Maybe agree Colt will have a serious Perfect. one for you. But I'm going to lead it off right now. We ask this to every single one of our guests. But there's a movie being made about your life. What actress do you want to play you? Um, mm-hmm. Charlize Theron. Ooh. That was my pick. Really? Yes. 
Swear. Look at his computer. See if he's lying. It's not typed in. Okay. Yeah. But I swear to you, I that was my pick. Mine too. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I had Diane Kruger. Ooh. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know okay. who that is. German. She played. In, she was in Troy. Yeah. She was not Brad Pitt's wife. Who's the other badass in Troy? Eric Banya or yeah, whatever yeah, his name exactly. is. His wife. She's great. I like that answer. She's Very well. fantastic. Very good job. Okay. All right. Send well, mine. Cult. You kind of touched on it a little earlier, but I have to ask it anyway. All right. If you're gonna give yourself a scale of one to ten. On your caddying skills, what would it be? Oh, 10. Okay. Yeah, of course. Now, yeah, what about your boyfriend, Max? Where uh, can he tighten up? Wow. He's listening just right like, now. I really set him up for a lower number. <laughs> yeah. <here. laughs> he he can't be a just, Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, you know, I'd almost say 10 if he didn't every now and then, like, forget to bring my towel to the green. There you go. That seems Write like. Write that down. That seems yeah. like. <laughs> 1A, you know what I mean? Maybe clean my ball on the green. Maybe. That's all right. But no, it's a, it's with everything else, it's a, it's a clear 10. And he's a hell of a golfer too, right? That's, yes. He ain't just no slouch. Yeah, I mean, golfer. he's, he's, you know, yeah, he's a good, good college golfer. Top 10 at SEC's last, last year, I think so. Hello. Um, so, hello. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully he continues playing. After I don't want to jump too. the gun, but if you guys ever procreate, it could be a little phenom in our works. You know what I mean? Right now, no pressure, Max. I know you're sitting right here, but just think in 18 years, you Not could have a nice ready. little pension. Uh, nice little it. pension setting up. All right, here we go right now. Growing up, who was the bigger heartthrob in Germany? Martin Keimer or David Hasselhoff? <laughs> It's got to be. Don't worry. It's going to get worse. It's got to be close, dude. I mean. The Hoff. David. Is he a heartthrob over there? What's his deal? I don't know. I would honestly think if you're a young golfer, like growing up, Martin kind of is. But, you know, if you if you watch Baywatch and yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. I did when I was yeah, younger. Me too. I was like, <laughs> you don't I say. loved him. Yeah, no, yeah. Watched every show for the Hoff. <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like almost Martin's like too close in age for me. Right, he's not so, that far off. He's not that far. So when I was like younger, and I would like look, I would watch Baywatch. I'd be like, so not Bernard guy. Longer. <laughs> <laughs> he's, is, he's third. Sorry, Bernard. But what is Martin? Not. What does Martin put on his arms? They're, They're so, so shiny. shiny, dude. He's, a, all, he's like Vaseline sunscreen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure, but you know, he glistens. All right, this one's kind of more serious though. Uh, several women in the past several years have played a couple of or a couple of PGA Tour events. How do you feel about? Females playing on the PGA Tour, and do you think we'll see more of it in the future? Uh, this is actually t- this is a tough question. I think you know, I think it's good for the women's for women's golf, but only with certain players. I think um, it, it's tough because you know I even talked to Anne about this because Anne Anne bombs it. You know, when I, I I love to you know joke about this, but she hits it as far in meters as I do in yards, which is great. <laughs> um, but she just you know she she hits it far and even she said i don't think i would want to tee it up with the guys because it's it's still a different game and it's not what we're trying to do here it's not you know you don't have the the ten you don't have tennis players suddenly starting to play against guys because as as incredible as serena and 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 all the tennis players are it's still going to be a really tough match against the guys. And and that's the same for us. And realistically, yes, there are a lot of girls out there that could probably make a cut, um, especially the, the the bombers out there. And and I think Brittany Linscombe, for example, did a great job at the Barbasol. And I think she made an eagle. I'm not sure if she made the cut, but she made an eagle out there, which I, I thought was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's it could be good advertising, but at the same time, 
you know, it is, it's tough because th those are not the people we're competing against. I mean, we're, the girls should be, or the women should be competing against each other and mm. the men are, you know, it's, it's still, that doesn't take away from our talent and how well we play just because we don't hit it 300, 320 yards. So I think that I, I don't know. It's very hard if you ask me. I, I like to watch it if the girls are playing. And if I had the opportunity, cool, why not? Just for fun, mm -hmm. I, I would do it. But I wouldn't want it to be like in the future. Have What I, what I would ra way rather see are mixed events as far as, you know, having us play at the same venues, mm -hmm. uh, maybe alternate groups, kind of a little bit like the Vic Open where you've got the, the girls and the guys playing together. Stuff like that I think would be would help us grow the game and um, I think would be way more beneficial in the future than actually playing in a, in a men's field. That's fair. And the pressure, I, I was at Colonial when Annika uh, played there and I was on the first, it was the 10th tee when she teed off and she hit that five wood or three wood or whatever it was and she like did this fake kind of like collapse to her knees like, oh my God, the pressure, like the pressure and the eyeballs that were on yeah. Annika is like, I can't even imagine, like no guy goes, you know what I yeah. mean? Like every eyeball and if she doesn't play bad, if she doesn't play well, they're like, oh, I told you they can't do it. You exactly. know what I mean? It's, it's just too much for one person to have to shoulder. Yeah. It is a lot. It's also a lot on the men too because you don't want to be the guy that gets beat by any of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I played the Colorado Open a couple months ago and Jennifer Cupcho played. And I was looking at one name the whole week. Yes, we had a little wager <laughs> on that. I gotta make sure. <laughs> I don't have to win, but if I get beat, he's gonna kill me. He's gonna wear me out. iffy for a minute there. Mm, she got a little close for a second. I was, I've never rooted harder for anyone. I was like, come on, baby. Make another tweet. I know. You're the I, that's the thing. Like, when, it, when that happens, I'm like, I'm rooting so hard for the girls because it's pretty awesome. And, and I think in Colorado, at least, we're also hitting it a little longer. Mm -hmm. But then the guys are also hitting it longer. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. But... I think it's cool and it's fun and it's fun to watch, but yeah, like like I said, you know, it's it's kind of unnecessary. Annika is, is the greatest player that we've ever had in the game, and I don't, I wouldn't want her, for example, teeing it up with the guys on a consistent basis, take away from what she has done and That's and and how what good of a player she is. Yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. does. And there's just too totally. much emphasis put on one event. Like I said, exactly. if they go out and play terrible, exactly. they're like, oh, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not a fair like comparison. Just too much pressure. All right, next exactly. question. You might have some insight here. Is Bernhard Longer a golf robot created in a lab? <laughs> have you ever seen him bleed? Let's just say that. Because I have a theory that this dude's like not a human. He's pretty incredible. I think that he, uh, as far as I know or what I've heard, he's just very, he's very meticulous with all his stuff. Mm -hmm. He cares a lot about his what he, his equipment so he's on top of all that stuff and then he just he's an incredible ball striker just like machine like i know i think max has had you know the opportunity to actually play with bernhard so and he told me he said it's so incredible like he obviously doesn't hit it that far but every six iron every seven iron he hits is like within 10 feet he said it was just incredible he'd go out there and and it's like and and then if it wasn't, it was almost like, oh, all right, like hit another ball, you know, that that wasn't good enough kind of thing. And and he was putting really well. Like I think when he's putting well, it's just that's great. It's just really fun to watch. He makes cuts at Augusta like yeah. current day, basically, cuts. which he is competes. crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was on the leaderboard not long ago. It's, it's wild. wild. See if you ever see him bleed, because I think he's yeah. I think he's manufactured. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure how I'm gonna. Go yeah, about just sneak that, up to him with a little knife yeah. or something. Max, maybe you could do that yeah, for us. Just a little pocket yeah. knife. Nothing that's going to hurt him, but, you know, just see if he bleeds. Like, scratch by and be like, oh, oh, my God, oh, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I, I just had you. my pocket knife I'm out. I'm so sorry I stabbed you I'm in the chest. My fault. Okay. All right. Number six. <clears throat> I need you to imagine that Max is not here. Okay. Okay. Earmuffs. So you took a recruiting trip to USC 
and you ended up talking and throwing a football at the very handsome Mark Sanchez, from what I've been told. Mm. Is that the, ultimately why you went to USC? I that, go there. That made it a lot easier to sign. <laughs> I was like, I remember telling my coach literally right after that, I said, um, yeah, I, th- I think I think I know where I'm going. <laughs> that guy sold me. me. Hey, yeah, exactly. And then the coach was like, oh. I knew it. <laughs> our greatest reach for the women's golf team was Mark Sanchez. Sanchez. Yep. <laughs> it was hey, funny because he tweeted at me and he said, oh, I'm glad that I could play a role in you coming to SC. And I was like, oh, my God, he just tweeted at me. <laughs> like, awesome. I was like, and like Max is literally standing next to me. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mark Sanchez just tweeted at me. And I'm just like going wild. And he's like, OK, well, cool. And then I said, he's like so cute <laughs> don't worry max, max i hate him too he can't so caddy for shit he yeah, can't exactly. caddy for shit either bro you're him. fine you are solidified he'll bro. always be known as the butt fumble not not his good looks don't worry <laughs> i might have committed to ufc if mark came out and played some toss with me yeah dude shit where do i sign this Absolutely. place looks pretty great all right next question at your celebration after you won if you could have three people dead or alive that you could have at your victory celebration who would you want to have there oh God. So one, two, and then I got yeah. Apart from the, yeah, apart from the two, and Mark, and Max, and Mark, and Mark, Mark. Yeah, those sound like. Um. Wow, that's very that's very tough. You know, I think that I wouldn't want to have anyone but my family around. Like, I think so. I mean, if I I could pick anyone, it would still be my parents and. And and then it's really hard because my family is <laughs> bigger than three people. Yeah. We'll allow them. It's like I'll have one of my brothers. Sorry to my other one. <laughs> um, well, that's how you know who the favorite brother is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'm not going to mention any names. Okay, that's you right. can tell this is her 45th interview. She's very she's very PR savvy mm-hmm. now. I respect it. Yeah, I I have. This is what I have to say. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. No, it's good. It's hard to. I, no, I might okay. have to actually just while we're doing the other questions, I actually have to think about that one. All right, you can hard. let that marinate for a little bit. Okay. All right, number eight. Are you the greatest Cinderella story in golf since Bill Murray and Caddyshack? Mm. <laughs> I've I've heard that there are a lot of similarities. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I don't know. I I guess even it was it never planned that way. But, I love it. But you know, I'll I'll take it. Has that even like sunk in yet? That like this people will probably talk about this in ten years, fifteen years, whatever. Be like, hey, remember the twenty twenty Open Championship when it happened? Honestly, I don't know. It's it's crazy because I also think, you know, it's it's just for me, it's so memorable and it's really nice to see that it's memorable for other people and for different reasons. And, and you know, I'm just I was so emotional about it because I'm emotional and, and all the things that I've gone through. And it's just crazy to see that or everyone I've talked to said, oh, I got so emotional when you were on 18. And I'm like, that was not my attention at all. But it was just all my you know, all this stuff just coming out, everything that happened last six years for me. And, and so I think that, I think, I guess that was captivating in a way. And it's, it obviously I love for it to be that way. It's just, it's just crazy for me. It's all just natural emote or raw emotion that, that just came out, you know? It's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's well-deserved. All right. Last question right now, because you're German, I'm going to ask this question. Rank the following schnitzels in order from your favorite to your least favorite chicken schnitzel pork schnitzel schnitzel or wiener schnitzel you can't even say it. Uh, what's the best schnitzel okay wiener schnitzel first that's wiener my schnitzel. number one okay knew wiener. it what is that exactly well and the thing like is like a hot dog 
No, 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 that's, oh my Colt told God, me it was a hot dog. That is not true. Colt told me that, to dude, this. beforehand. Because it it's a, a place here in the States where, like, mm-hmm. it's called Wiener Schnitzel. Isn't it called, like, yeah. a hot dog place? Yeah, yeah. that's and what I thought. And I go, why would someone ever do that? You're ruining schnitzels forever. That's what we do in America. It's like, schnitzel it's much actually, better <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like a um, veal, breaded veal. Okay. So it's actually like, um... Yeah, I don't know, just a piece of just a piece of flattened veal. So you kind of like hammer it down, make it really flat. Then you bread it with you use um, like egg and um, bread and like mini breadcrumbs, and then you like toss it in there a couple of times and throw it on the pan. So that's what schnitzel is actually. So it's not what I get at the airport. No, I would honestly never get anywhere but in Germany. Because when you order sense. a schnitzel in Germany, you're gonna get the right thing. That and I would sense. get a Wiener schnitzel always. Because the other two is like chicken, no, mm-hmm. pork. Well, veal is veal is is uh, kalb, right? Oh, sorry, I'm just like starting in German now. That's not good. But yeah, so no, not not so pork Wiener. and chicken. So Vina is the Wiener. way to go. Colt, say it one time. Vina, correct me. Say Vina. Vina. Vina schnitzel. Vina. What is it? Vina schnitzel. Yeah. He's half German. Schnitzel. Doesn't count. All right. Well, that's good. That clarified all that for me. Awesome. Well, Sophia, this has been an absolute honor for us. Yes, really enjoyed sitting down and talking to you. Yeah, congratulations. And keep up the great play. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. And that was Women's British Open champion Sophia Popoff joining us on Golf Support Sleeves. That was one of my favorite inter- interviews we've ever done. Our first female, and she yeah, was an abs- absolute blast. We saved, a, we saved a good time for it. We're yeah. just waiting for a major champion to cruise in here with the trophy, by the mm-hmm. way, which we'll be drinking out of. But, dude, what a story. I mean, like, it's getting a lot of publicity. I didn't know all. The, I knew about the, like, not having, you know, she wasn't in the, the Open Championship only a week prior and kind of her story playing on the Cactus Tour and all these develop, developmental tours. But I didn't know how good she was in college, how close she came to quitting the game at one point. And then all of a sudden, everything just kind of, she gave it, like, one final push. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, bam, it clicked. And now she's sitting pretty nice. Should have a five-year exemption Should. on the PGA Tour. or LPGA. LPGA. Get it right. This is absolutely ridiculous that she does not have a five-year exemption. Once again, it makes no, I said it in the Zero interview, it makes sense. no sense to me. She could go out with this one-year exemption, lose her card, but then play in every major for the next five makes years. Makes no sense. Come on. If you're going to reward players for winning your preeminent events on your tour, like these are our best players, here's our biggest events. If someone goes out and wins it, you sh- they should get whatever you get for winning it. It shouldn't be special, like, you have to carry a card on our tour. Like, it, it, and she's already been a former card-carrying member of that tour, so like, it's not like she's just out of nowhere. I think it's crap. I think you'll see it changed at the end of the year. It's not going to do much for Sophia, unfortunately. Well, maybe they'll make a special. But maybe they'll give her some sort of, like, yeah, like you said. So I, I doubt that. I don't think they'll go back and retroactively do that, but I think it will change from this point forward. If you win a major championship, you get what you get for winning a major championship, no matter where you're playing your golf. And I'll As say it this. should be. Yeah, I'll say this. She says schnitzel much better than you. Schnitzel. Yeah, we got that cleared <laughs> up at the end. I'm a big fan of the Vina. Vina. I was using too much R. Oh, I love it. She Vina. was a lot of fun. And speaking of a lot of fun, once again, you got to go download the Chirp app. Yeah, dude. Get amongst it. Come visit us on our social media at golf underscore subpar. Get in our league. We're going to have a lot of cool prizes. And Sleaze, you got some of the prizes that are up for grabs. Yeah, dude, I'm going to be firing heavy this week. All right, so for the Golf Sub Parley, here are some of the prizes, man. They're no joke. Tr- a free true spec driver fitting, including the driver you get fit into. So you go in, you get a free driver, not too terrible. There's also two custom Mira wedges up for grabs. Get that custom grind. Cold, I know you like that specific mm. grind. Got to have the grind. It's all about the grind. $200 free credit to golf shop, golf.com Pro Shop. Go in there, get whatever the hell you want. And then in the Global League, which you can participate in both, you can be yeah. in Subpar and the Global which League. Which you should do both, no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to win, might as well win the whole damn thing. 
All right, so you got two nights stay for two at Cabot Links with a round of golf on all three golf courses for each person, which is if you've never been there, it's an unbelievable place. One of the, some of the best golf, some of the best links golf in the world. How about this one, Colt? This might be up your alley. A little foursome at Shadow Creek. Mm, been there. A little place. It. Not too terrible if you've never been out there. Go grab three of your boys. Head on out to Shadow. Not a terrible day. That's on the line, too. And also on the line, Colt, you got a lesson with the great George Gankis, mm, who's working with some of the great up-and-coming players right now. He will have you hitting bombs. If you need speed and you want to hit yaks, George Gankis is the guy to see. That's on the line, too, dude. So there's some real legit stuff out here this week. All you got to do is sign up for Chirp, get amongst it, try to beat me and Colty, and then you got your pick of the litter right here. I love it. Well, that's it for us this week. Everybody enjoy the U.S. Open, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. Bye.